Welcome to Got Grief, with me, Holly Sumpton, and Craig Henry, a podcast for adults bereaved as children to share their stories of living side by side with grief. Craig lost his mother to cancer when he was just eight years old, and I lost mine when I was six. Trying to understand something like grief as a child can be really confusing, and it can sometimes seem impossible to know who to turn to. And as we get older, this can begin to feel really devastating. But there can also be hope in the comfort that comes from sharing your experiences with others who understand you, and from simply knowing you're not alone. This is a space for stories to be shared and for voices to be heard in an attempt to start an honest, open and compassionate conversation around grief. So let's get started. Welcome to Got Grief. Hi Gavin, it's um, a pleasure to have you on the podcast this evening. Really looking forward to talking to you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you sort of kick off and tell us a bit about yourself, where you are, what you do, that kind of stuff. Okay, my name's Gavin Rosalar. I'm, I'm based in Edgware. I'm a, a London taxi driver. Um, obviously, lockdown has been very hard, seeing as we need uh, human cargo. So um, it's, it's been very, very tough. Um, I'm happily married to a gorgeous wife and three beautiful girls. I'm completely outnumbered in the house. I'm the, I'm the uh, peripheral member, um, and they range from 21 to 13. So it's a busy, busy house. And and what are they all, what are they all doing at the? Presumably, one of them's at school, but what? what is- well, yeah, youngest is at school. She's year eight, so she's been completely disrupted by all with her. You know, she's gone from starting to. What was it? We went into lockdown a year ago already next week. So she's been completely disrupted. My middle one graduated from fashion college, I think, just uh, uh, before lockdown. And my eldest is trying to break into the music industry. She's a singer. So she's releasing music and she's got a busy few months coming up with new music coming out and a few features and so it's very busy. It's a busy house. Sounds it. That sounds amazing. You see three. Uh, sounds like you've got a lot of creativity in the blood. Is is that? Yeah, and my wife's a teacher. She's a TA. She's a teacher. So um, yeah, it's all it's all go. It's all go. So I'm. Uh, they look after me. <laughs> and you were, uh, I, I believe, looking at your socials, you are a keen runner. Is 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 that correct? I am, and that what I'll put in the story. Uh, you know, you'll hear about this that. Um, Yes, I took up running six years ago. Um, six years ago, I never run. But yeah, basically, I, I, I run to the cab, but <laughs> outside my house. That's about as far as I'd go. And I started six years ago, so um, yeah, I am a very keen runner now. Every day, I'm currently on a, a, a run streak. I'm trying to run every day this year for charity. Wow! So mm, yeah, every day three six five this year. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah, I hope to do it. It's 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 not easy. I, I got to last year. Um, yeah, I started. I, I did it last year when we went into lockdown because I was completely off work. I got to day sixty four and got injured, so I shouldn't talk too soon. I'm on day seven. Yeah, seventy seven tomorrow. So yeah, and it's a really hard thing about running. It's just something always ends up going like your knees or hips. It, it really, yeah, yeah. You learn you learn a lot about yourself um, as well. And also with this run street, you you learn what you, where you want 
where you went wrong last time and you try and prevent the injury, you know, by freshening up your trainers or strength exercising. Yeah, it's not, it's, 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 it's not easy. <laughs> it's not an easy thing, but I love it. I am absolutely, I'm a run addict. Is that really good for your, for your well-being? hundred percent. hundred and ten percent. Yeah. I, I can't, you know, with bereavement, what I'm going to talk about and the mental health is, 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 it's, it's, it's proven it is a low dose of antidepressant it's it's, it's proven you know, even gp surgeries now recommend running they they park run i don't know if you heard of park run uk the, you know the 5k on a saturday gps um i'm not sure if they're still doing it. i know two years ago they they got together with park run and would give people you know go go get yourself fit go to a park run as long as you know as long as they could walk out the surgery i suppose is that something that kind of got you into the running in the first place then, trying to find something for your mental well-being? hundred, yeah, 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 yeah. After my dad died six years ago, yeah, that's when it all started. Yeah, that was the road. Yeah. That was, that was the trigger. So, yeah, every day, yeah. Good, good for you taking that into your own hands. And Thank you, thank you. Are you runners? You run? I do, yeah, I do. Oh, good. Yeah, it's uh, again similarly. It's been uh, I had like a, a bit, a bit of poor health, and you know, lost the use of my legs for a bit. So, kind of similar to you, after that, kind of got me, got me. You know, it was the physio was like, you need to run a hundred yards, which I couldn't do initially, and it, it builds up, and it's yeah, it's been a blessing this year, definitely. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And as you know, for them again, as you know, for the mental health as well, especially with what's going on you know with gyms being closed and you know i've never seen so many runners at the park yeah i just hope they continue after this uh, that's the most important thing yeah. is keeping it up this is it well let's we talk about your own story briefly in that but kind of we normally segue in so why don't you start by telling us um about the the personal or people that you that you lost um and and the circumstances surrounding that yeah so rewind all the way back to 1980 um my uh my sister my dad my mum um i was 10 years old and you know we're a very happy family my mum and dad are a loving couple you know i was 10 or so i was at junior school my sister would i think would have been starting secondary school she's about two years older than me and and everything was everything was fine you know Everything was lovely. Holidays a year. My dad. My dad was a London taxi driver. Um, my mum was a hairdresser. So, my, and also my dad worked at the race, the horse racing. So, families are bookmakers. So we'd go down to Brighton to Brighton races, Goodwood in the summer. You know, it was all all lovely. And then in 1980, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was. She would have been 37 at the time. And I wouldn't have known anything about that. You know, I knew something was strange. We come back from a holiday that year, so I do remember. And I remember a few people coming around my house. And I knew something was really odd because they were talking about going to see a specialist. And I think I heard the word cancer. I mean, you're 10 years old, you, you don't even know. You can't even spell it. I mean, well, I couldn't. Um, and there's nothing going on at the time on TV or anything about that. Or, so... I knew this was this is a bit serious, and then um, so I know she was diagnosed in 1980, and then um, by a year later, I think she had the treatment. I think um, she had uh, 
full uh, I don't know, I can say this, mastectomy and you know and treatment to cope with it and so I think it was all it was all okay after that and then uh, by 1981 um, my nan so I had two sets of grandparents back then my mum's parents and my dad's parents and I noticed by a year later that my mum's mum was coming round a lot more and I thought mum's you know there was a deterioration so I could I can't remember exactly but I knew my mum's mum was helping her a lot more and I could hear her like coming round helping her into getting a dress or I thought oh, this, is, this, is, this is strange you know I did you know I, I've probably kept out the way because I can't even recall it I don't know if there's a mental block there but talking to you guys now I can I can still hear my nan fussing over my mum and my mum was that's right I remember her being in bed a lot so and then she was taken to the Royal London Hospital which we used to go there a lot anyway uh, because she had a radiotherapy back then so I'd go with her because it was back then it was a zap you went in this big room and I used to sit outside it's probably not like this now but and there was booths in the London Hospital the old-fashioned um go for it should get the zap whatever you call you know radiotherapy and, and we'd go out we'd meet my dad in town because he's a taxi driver and then we'd go out to eat or come back might come back pick my sister up and then then um yeah as i said so being my nan was round a lot then um disaster struck that my nan we got a, a phone call oh uh, she my mum was taken inside to the royal london hospital and my mum was such a loving, caring person. This story I do recall. And, and my mum was be beautiful and inside and out. And everybody that knew her, they had a, a hell of a lot of friends. And so much so that when I used to go out when I was a, 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 about 10, 11, or younger, um, men, men, men would used to wolf whistle her. So, you know, I used to come home and go, Mum, why are they wolf whistling you? Oh, no, 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 nothing, Gavin. It's, it's nothing. But because she was a very attractive lady and everybody loved my mum, you know. So, um, so I'm digressing. Um, so, yeah. So she was a really, really caring person, so much so that when she was in the London hospital on the last day that I remember my dad coming home telling this story that there was a young lady in her ward who also had cancer and my she was really, really nervous. And my dad was relaying this story to my, his his mum, saying that Bobby had taken under her wing. And the late when my dad went to see my mum that week, she, the lady had called her over and said, uh, I've got to tell you, your wife is just so wonderful. She, I'm so nervous, but your mum reassured me it's all going to be okay. And, you know, that was the type of person she was. She was a people's person and just loving and kind. And... And brave. And brave, yes. He, and brave. He's got that happening in her and still she's so kind and, and outward focused that she's using her pain to help others. I mean that it's the it's so brave. So brave. It's so brave. Yeah, absolutely. And she was at that I only discovered this after because my mum left me a load of poems and thoughts I'll I'll tell you about soon that um that I know she contacted you had breath uh, uh, breast cancer awareness or one of these charities but that when they were formed in south london there's a lady called betty westgate and i only googled, googled this the last few years my mum was starting to write to her and formed a relationship unfortunately betty died i think 10 years ago but if you google her she, betty went on to form 
uh, I think it's breast. It's the second largest breast cancer charity in the UK. And um, she formed a relationship with her. They were writing to each other. So, and that was the early stage because there wasn't many any charities around back then. So, yeah. so my mum was reaching out, you know, and um, I like to think that's where I get that from to with the fundraising that I do. Um, so things took a turn for the worse that week, the week that um, that lady uh, spoke to my dad. And I remember we were at home and um, I did, I, I went to see my mum that week, but I don't recall anything how she was, or I just remember saying, um, don't worry, mum. I remember get, going out that London hospital, that day, I said, don't worry, mum, don't worry. I don't know why I said that, but that stuck with me. Um, but we got a phone call. Um, we're at home, me, my dad and my sister, because she was in the London that time, London hospital. And we got a phone call that she'd taken a turn for the worse. That um, So, you know, the phone rang in the early hours. I mean, so I was, this is 1982 now. So I was at secondary school. Um, I was nearly 12 years old. And so my sister would have been 14, 15, something like that. And then my mum's mum and dad picked my dad up they followed each other to the royal london hospital and so my dad's mum and dad came and stayed with us and early as hours of the morning they got a phone call and my grandpa had a trait that my dad had this trait as well you know when people talk maybe it's an older generation they repeat what they're saying on the phone it's a terrible habit but this time we really wanted to hear and then he did say um oh she passed away an hour ago and that was just that was it. That was wailing, screaming. I just ran up to my bedroom. My sister was just wailing, and and that was it. My my childhood ended that night. That's the way I see it. And it's uh, you know it's times and dates are etched into your mind forever. So twenty third of November, nineteen eighty two. Oh, that's it. You know. It, 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 you never, ever, ever forget it. I liken it to a puzzle on a, a table. So it's a fa our family of four and the puzzle falling on the floor and just shattering into pieces. And each piece na now or the time resembled, you know, it went from a happy family jigsaw puzzle to pieces of grief, pain, anger, depression, black cloud, you name it, you know, it, it's endless and that's and that's the way I think the best way for me to describe that feeling is just absolutely lost completely and utterly lost so that phone call that you received then was that something do you think as a child that you were expecting at all had it been communicated to you that that might be something to expect or was that a real shock for you at that age I think um yeah that's a good question um I think I knew something was really bad by her being at home and being so poorly and then being taken to the hospital. And then I remember because I'd only just started secondary school for about two months and I, I didn't settle in too, too good anyway. Um, and then someone, in, I remember getting, I'll never forget this, uh, getting changed for PEO games and someone saying, oh, Gav, how's your mum? I've heard she's bad. I mean, like for at, 11, you know, she, oh, no, no, she's, she's all right. She's all right. Like, how do they know? So word had got round. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It pre, this is 1982. No internet, no gossip, no, uh, no online stuff going on here. 
So word had got round because it was when mum had when mum died, it did send shockwaves through the community. A thirty-nine year old had died. You know, it, it was it really did. It, it, it sent shockwaves through the um, community. So we, I'm Jewish, so it's a Jewish community. You know, it's quite close knit, and um, it did. Yeah, it 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 really did. So how how did your faith? support you in that i know the jewish morning rituals are, are you know very unique and and you know very very sacred how how did that kind of did it help or did it did it hinder um we're, we're not very big practicing Jew, um, Jew, i'd say Jew, uh, jews anyway so even even now i'm not that um yeah they, they came i mean it it was a year before my bar mitzvah um so a, a 12 a 13 year old boy has a bar mitzvah at 13 and they are becoming a man. So I had this function booked, which never took place anyway, obviously, because it was a year before. So, yeah, um, so we have a funeral and in the Jewish religion, you have a shiva. It's called a shiva where you say prayers for a week in the in the house of mourning. So um, to go, no, not really. It wasn't, you know, as I said, we're not ultra religious i know people that have turned to their faith and i never have um it's not something i've got involved with at all and did your did your family turn to faith at all in the, in the days after or the weeks after no not at all no we, 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 we're not we're not practicing um we are jewish we, I, I call us a three day year jews we, we we do the higher holidays kind of thing um and that's always been the case we did have a funeral you know obviously the funeral then the morning uh, the, the the house is the house of mourning so so we had to shiver uh, which we had loads of people around so that's where it all got a bit mass confusion you know like suddenly uh, mum's dead and um, the house is full you know people coming people going which is all fine you know as you experience it you know you kept busy busy for the the whole week people coming people going they're making you lunch and in the evening, there's prayers. I mean, there was just hundreds of people turned up because, you know, 39 years old, young, and it all got a bit too much. One night, um, because the children aren't in the main room when the prayers are going on, and it was just the house was so packed. I stood in front of my nan and uh, nana and papa and my dad, and I, I, I passed out, collapsed. It was just too much. I, was, I remember being carried out by my dad's cousin. And um, that's probably the first, my first touch with anxiety that I was to go on to uh, unfortunately endure. But that, yeah, that was probably my first flavour with it. But, and that settles down after the week, prayer stop, you know, your teachers come around to see you and send their condolences to my dad, family. And, and then after a week that stops, you know, life has to readjust. I'm, I go off to school. My sister goes off to school, and it's as raw as that. It really sounds. It really sounds as if there wasn't much time for you at that at that point for you to even begin to comprehend what might have happened to you. Did is that something that you felt? Hundred percent, hundred percent, because nineteen what we nineteen eighty two. I mean, death's a taboo subject now, let alone in 1982, um, with no um, 
charities, support groups. Look, you know, what we've got now. As I said, I I, I still remember walking into the school because they were prepped about uh, myself and my sister. And I just remember walking into that classroom and, and it felt like, I don't know if you've seen the film American Werewolf in London. Uh, we have the two, <laughs> the, two <laughs> the two Americans walking into the pub, the music stops, and that's me walking into the classroom in, then. And I felt, I can look now, I felt like I must have had a neon sign above my head. I am that one in 29 um, children that would suffer a bereavement. That is, that is a UK stat now. Mm. Um, and that's how it felt. I remember walking in silence. And I remember going up to a guy in my class because his dad had died, a friend of mine um, in junior school, but we went on to be in, in the same class in secondary school. Uh, and I remember shaking his hand saying, we're in the same boat now, aren't we? And he said, yeah. And that's all that was said. Quite profound for how young you were to, to find a peer who'd had a similar trauma and to acknowledge it. And even though it was never that Wow, like you're 12. That's really that thing. Yeah, yeah. I still remember it. Yeah, he looked at me. We looked at each other. And, we, and don't forget, we'd never talked about it because obviously being young kids, you know, I, I was friendly with him. And, you know, it was quite shocking when it happened to him in junior school. And, and I, yeah, I just went up to him. But, but that day also was the, that week was the last, the word mum was taken out of my diction. I'd never could mention the word it was taken away and that was a problem and that was a big problem the the word mum it's only the last i'll go on to talk about that but it's only the last five years i could sit and talk and watch in that word now mum i couldn't talk about it for 33 years even say the word it was like i felt like choked because it wasn't talked about what it wasn't dealt with my grief was totally totally unresolved it was it was a case of um, what we don't talk about doesn't matter, so it, it's it's taken away, and my family or not so much friends, my family, my close family, oh he's okay, you know Gavin's playing or you know don't you know he's fine, he's fine, he's, you know he, he's not talking, let's let's, let's let's not talk about it. So what you say isn't going to hurt you. So not saying mum, I couldn't get upset. So, but I was running away. I was totally running away from my grief. And it, it was a problem. It was a big problem. I, I didn't go to school a lot. Um, in that first year, um, I remember just being in my front room. My sister would go after school. I knew, and my dad was, went back to work, obviously. He's a taxi driver, so he was off. And I felt so sick. And because I'd only, I'd only just started school, don't you know, I, I was only in the first year, and I was now year, it's called year seven now, isn't it? So, but I was in the first year of secondary school back then, um, and so I was all over the show, lost, confused, and I just used to stand in the front room, watch my sister go up to school, just be completely overwhelmed, and phone my mum's mum and dad um, for them to pick me up. You know, because back then, oh, have you right? No, no, really, no, I don't feel good. So they come and pick me up. I wouldn't go to my mum's mum and dad's, although we were still still close. um, But I found it too upsetting to go up to my mum's mum and dad because there was all pictures of my mum up there, 
and she my mum was an only child and they were completely and utterly devastated by this you know they still doted on my sister and me but things became a bit weird with my dad and we picked up on that and I found it easier to go to my mum's uh, so my dad's mum and dad spend the day with my I think my pup Papa was off working or whatever he was doing busy in the morning. And so my nan would take me to a market, make me a good fry up and just sit there. And I could, uh, you know, just to be a bit upset, but felt comforted that I was, you know, it was like, I, felt, I felt okay being melancholy. You know, I, I felt okay about that, you know. So was it, was it like that, that space with your grandparents, the space you could be open, but what it sounds like your home where your dad was, which was was a closed wall you couldn't couldn't be open in front of your father or your sister yeah but it's it's not as if my um my mum's uh sorry my dad's mum and dad would would talk about it with me it was still protection is better than the truth and you know that that's the that's wrong in it, in it all together isn't it <laughs> in looking back on it i needed the truth you know i needed i you know i I wanted to talk about my mum, but I couldn't. But there, so there was no one helping me. I was in school, but even at school, they they didn't deal with it. Then they, you know, after two three weeks, I was I was happy. You know, I was happy with my friends. I was happy in school because um, I was I'd run away from my grief. But if things hurdles came up, if I fast forward, you know, for about a year, that if hurdles came up, or you know, if it was a bit tough at school or tough at home, I. I I'd run back to the grief. I'd think about mum, you know, I'll get really upset. I wish mum was here. I wish I could talk to her about this. I wish I could talk to her about that. So things were still beginning to unfold in me um, and painful. And, and my sister wouldn't, you know, couldn't talk to my sister about it at all. My sister would have been 15, 16, a motherless daughter, you know, ripped to pieces. She she was quite, um, she'd been off, off with her friends at that point anyway. Um, and so I think one of her friends' mum took her took her under her wing, and then uh, my dad he met someone about a year later, and then got engaged, got married, and so we moved from the family home, which was also quite tough at the time. Um, so it's only going forward a couple of years. So I, I still didn't have that help there. Did you know? Like, did you were you consciously aware that you? Because obviously now you're looking back in hindsight, and and you so clearly were you aware that you know you couldn't talk about your mum. You know, you say in those in those challenges, you 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 would miss her, and I I totally get that. That's me in my teen years. You know, any problem that went wrong, the first thing was my mum, and my mum's not here. My life is ruined. Were you aware of that blockade? You, you talk about anxiety. Did you did you know why it was there? Yeah, no, I didn't know why it was there, but I, I was making noises to my dad because I remember now, so there was a thought, you know, there was, my sister had left home. Uh, my dad had, uh, my brother, uh, had had a child, and um, but I was making noises. I remember being, so I was moving into my teenage years. that I had um, bad anxiety, but, so I wasn't I wasn't driving yet, but I remember my dad would drop me off at my friend's house. We'd go pay pool at a friend's house or snooker, and I always used to get this build up of sickness, anxiety. And at that point, I realised this isn't right, and I kept saying, "Dad, why do I feel like this?" You know, and he didn't know, and 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 I couldn't talk to my dad about my mum at all. 
that was another issue that if I'd spoke to him about her, he, he never talked about her. So even if I went to talk about it, he'd well up, he'd start, you know, I, I didn't want to upset him. So that added to, you know, so as me, my dad, my si there was this, there was this silence that was going along, you know, and, and I could feel this anxiety, this sickness feeling was what I know now was anxiety. But so my dad spoke to the doctors and they sent around a counsellor because he said, he's, you know, he said what's going on. It must be this. And they sent around his counsellor and it was cold as ice. I remember coming into my front room, sitting down. I'm bare nine, I'm, I'm like 14, 15. She's sitting there, started mentioning the mum word. So straight away I feel sick. So she wants me to tell my story, talk about my story. And I can't even say the word. So I had two sessions and I think I told her to leave on the second one. So I remember my dad coming home from work going, where's, I can't remember her name, <laughs> the counsellor, and he was chasing her down the road. So what's he said? You know, She said he told me to leave. So I couldn't even talk about it. So this carried on. I find that so interesting, that, that thing about not being able to say the word mum really resonates with me, actually, because I remember the first time that I began to kind of, because you, you know when you think about what that word means and what it encapsulates, you know, the word mother, you know, if you were to look that up in a dictionary, what it would say, you know, about caring and, and all of these things, it's too hard to comprehend that what a mother is, so it's easier not to kind of think about. Um, so I, I really sort of resonate with that. And, um, and with the, with the counselling as well, I guess when you're 14, you still, you still have no clue what's going on in there to unpick it must have been really difficult for you yeah because i'm still I'm, I'm still lost one minute i you know mum's in hospital so it's only two years it's only a matter of it's nothing in you know because i think because when you're a child you, you bounce along don't you you can block things out a lot easier whereas i don't know you know i personally i overthink all my friends say you gav you're always overthinking things but as a child you just bounce along don't you one minute i'm at school then there's distractions. I, I suppose dad getting remarried was a distraction at the time. My sister, you know, didn't accept that, you know, and went on to, uh, you know, left home but for various other reasons. But the dynamics had changed as well. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I don't like, I don't use the word stepmom. So um, it, it changed and I was still suffering. What I, you know, what I really wanted was compassion deep love and understanding you know that is the prescription that i wanted and i didn't know how to get that over or convey you know and that's why i was suffering with anxiety so it led to my dad taking me to see a pediatrician i don't know why he would took me to see a pediatrician <laughs> in harley street and this guy and you know dad whispered the usual his mum's you know his mum's died Oh, God, here we go. And um, he said, oh, I had growing pains. I mean, I don't know if I, I'm not going to say this, but I'd say in inverted commas, WTF, so you get what I'm saying. I mean, come on. Yeah, this is a Harley Street. But I was probably seeing the wrong person. I don't know why my dad took – well, I suppose a child pediatrician isn't a, 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 a good base, I suppose, for him to say well, he, this guy, you know, this – this young young boy needs to see a, a, maybe a grief counsellor would be a good start, you know. 
I had growing pains. But then doesn't that just, doesn't that make you just not want to talk about it more? Because if somebody's been like, oh, you well, it's just got growing pains, then surely as a, as a teenager, you're going to go, okay, then one if it's just growing pains, I won't mention it anymore. So that's just like doubling up on what's already happened to you. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 nobody, nobody was speaking about mum because that, so if I'm fast forwarding a little bit, mum's mum and dad sadly passed away. Uh, pretty about six years after mum died so and, and they died broken-hearted absolutely broken-hearted as well and um so i had that going on as well so mum's if you call it a nuclear fact had disappeared so mum was an only child and mum only had a, a first cousin so sorry she had there was three of them there was and these one one of the cousins is the image of my mum so my my sister struggled to speak to her for a very long time because it was a complete reminder. I mean, they were they were doubles. I mean, it was really difficult, and um, I even found it hard to talk to her because it's such a reminder. So mum's kind of existence, you know, although she was dead, that her whole family had gone. So, so it was all hard to take, you know. So mum wasn't in. I said mum. The word mum was taken out of diction, and so mum was kind of just there in my memory, you know. And, I need so, I needed someone to talk to about it and um, go through it, but it was just too difficult subject for my dad, and we would we would battle about this in uh, later years. That um, if I fast forward to myself meeting my gorgeous wife, getting married, having children, and I remember my dad coming round to see um, my eldest and. And we got on the subject, and this was the only time we ever spoke about this. It was out, I remember it was outside my house in Essex, and I don't know how we got onto the subject. Then he started crying in my arms, my dad. And bearing in mind, I was in, I don't know, I'm in my 20s by now. And, um, and I said, Dad, why did you never get help yourself? And he's gone, I know, I should have. I said, because, you know, that would have helped me and Ruth. And he, he just said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But, and that was it. That was he just couldn't talk about it. But so it became a big issue with me. And um, so my grief was completely suppressed for all them years um, until dad had his first heart attack in two, I was I just come back from Vegas for my 40th, so it was 2010. And he survived, thank God. And But he was never the same. He had a, a pacemaker fitted, uh, sorry, a defibrillator. So he couldn't work. He had to retire from being a taxi driver, and um, I, I, you know, I, I went on to become a taxi driver. So, and um, but me and my dad were so me and my dad were very close because we did the same job. He loved football. We, you know, we we, we bounced off each other, and um, so it was, it was a tough pill for him to swallow to be forced into retirement because you can't drive a cab if you've got a defibrillator. And he his health suffered because of his first heart attack, and then. Uh, five years later, he suffered a massive heart attack and um, he died. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't pull through. So um, that was that was devastating beyond belief. To um, my world, completely and utterly fell apart at that point. You know, forty-five years old. I know. I just. I felt. Oh my god! I, I'm alone now. You know. I've got a, a wonderful family, you know, my wife, girls, you know, I know I'm loved and, but I just felt completely alone. My world had completely and utterly shattered. 
that my mum and dad are now uh, are dead. And I just, I just it was it was very very lonely. Um, I just I just couldn't get my head around it. You know that unconditional love had disappeared, gone. You know, friends, family can come, can go. But your mum and dad are supposed to be there throughout, you know, whether you're right, whether you're wrong, even when you're wrong, you know, you want them to make you wrong, but they never make you wrong. It's that unconditional love. It can never break. So my world collapsed. It absolutely collapsed. And but the grief had resurfaced. It was like this massive tsunami. And when you say resurfaced, so you've got you've you've got the actual grief of, of your father going, but when you surface did all of those things that you'd be compressing for 40 odd years it completely blew me away and and how talk to us about that how did it come out like what did that do to, to do to you as a person it just that that unresolved grief just came it just um I, you know so at the funeral i turned around to my sister and i just said we are now mourning mum and dad and she said yeah you, we are aren't we i said yeah and at that point, the trigger is that when you're front row at the funeral, you get it. You know, you absolutely get it. And now I got it. You know, I thought, oh, my God. You know, I, I, just, I just sank, you know. I, I, I didn't know what to do, to be honest with you. I was just in a mess, you know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe he'd gone. It was a sh- and it was a shock as well because we got the phone call He'd had a heart attack, and I was with him the night before. I was at my daughter. It was my daughter's um, would have been her seventh or eighth birthday. So, I was, thank God, I got to see him that night before he came to the party, and I was with him. And um, and then we got a phone call in the middle of the night that he'd been rushed to hospital, and we we you know we did a we waited, and uh, we as a fact had to make the agonising decision to turn off the machines that he didn't. He wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't make it. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was just devastating. Absolutely devastating. I'm just really interested in, in how in these past sort of six years that you've kind of come to, you know, the things like you're running and sort of coming face to face with grief and able to kind of get to a place of articulating it so well. Yeah, um, I, 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 uh, I just learned that I think from going from the funeral going forward that first of all, you, you get the meaningless platitudes, you know, I should really say this with my head on the shoulder, you know, be strong, Gav, um, time's a healer. And no, it's not, it's a, it's a secondary consequence, you know, we, we, we go on to heal ourselves. And you have to find you have to find a way of weaving that grief. It's like weaving it into the landscape of your life. But you need the tools. You, you, you need to find these, acquire these tools. And that's where I was completely lost. And I felt so alone, you know, mum and dad. Oh, my God, I'm a member of the uh, Dead Parents Club. But I'm a platinum member now. Both have gone. You know, wh- wh- what do I do? You know, and um, this is where you learn, as you guys know, it's such a taboo subject that nobody wants to talk about it. It's like going back to when I was 12, or, sorry, 11, 12. No, you know, if it, if it don't hurt you, don't talk about it. But I, I needed to. I had to. So my first port call, I went to see a grief counsellor. 
but I'd already started a, a fitness regime. And um, so I was running a little bit, but I went to see a counsellor and it, I was just a mess. So the mum word had come up again. You know, I went to see this counsellor in North London and I'm sitting there. I think I had two sessions and she said, I said, oh, take me back to 19. You know, I think here we go. The mum words come up again and I felt sick. And so I knew at that point there was no running away from this grief. I had to face this head on. I had to dive into what was bothering me and it was affecting. So this was a year. So, yeah, so I was okay. I, I took up running. So I said to the counsellor, do, do you mind if I don't have any more? I'm really not feeling it. You know, look, each their own. I didn't quite fit in with counselling. You know, they're very good, but it just didn't sit right with me because I don't think I'd got rid of, I couldn't still say the mum word. It was still all too upsetting. So I said, do you mind? I've, I've, I found fitness and as a better coping mechanism. And the counsellor just said, you do whatever you feel you want to do. You know, you want to take days of, crying in your bedroom your mum and dad didn't know a dad do it and that was the first bit of advice I'd taken on board and I'm thinking yeah you know what I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do it alone but I'm gonna have to do it and um I did I faced it head on so I was okay for a year I went on to run a half marathon I did because it, it was my coping mechanism I ran I raised money for British Heart Foundation in my, in my dad's memory it was all wonderful you know this is great I'm you know I'm coping I'm coping and then I had a massive relapse because I still hadn't faced it all head on. Um, and my wife was suffering bad as well because she didn't know what to do with me. She was really suffering. Um, she could, you know, I had great support from friends, family, but, you know, some people don't get it. You know, it's like my wife, thank God, her parents were alive, thank God. So, you know, I say to her, you know, if you don't get it, you don't get it. You know, it's if you haven't walked in my shoes, what can you do? You know, that that and that's 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 a big stumbling block you have to get over first as well. So I just that that second year, I I after the relapse, I just I I I went online and and I started just researching myself. I just like like finding you guys. I had to find my tribe, and a friend of mine. Um, cabby friend was getting into mindfulness and he nudged me with a book and said why don't you have a read of this it just might do you you never know and I'm thankful to him to this very day because that was the beginning of my journey that uh, I started with Dr Wayne Dyer um, all the mindfulness books The Secret and then I made a discovery that was to change everything that I discovered uh, Megan Divine it's okay, you're not okay. And Grief Works by Julia Samuel. And that was it. That was it. Just the floodgates opened. I could, uh, and I've been on that journey three years um, of just doing things like this and having the conversation and just opening it all up. And, um, and as the, the book says, it's okay, you're not okay. And Speaking, you know, like speaking to you guys about this and, and discovering that that Facebook group, um, Adults Bereaved of Children, what, what we've got in there, 1,000 1, members plus, isn't it? All over the world. And you're not alone. And that knowing just that, just, just that, them two words, three words, you're not alone. That means everything. Something you said earlier really stuck with me as well about 
when you were talking about when you were that age when your mum died and and actually all you really needed was compassion that really stuck with me because I think you know and the way that you're talking about how you've really sort of started to treat yourself with with the compassion that you needed is so amazing because I don't think it's you know it's not the cool thing to do is it to kind of you know be really compassionate and be conscious like the cool things do but actually it's so important yeah because and, and I don't know if it's a male thing as you, as you as you can see Craig how many people come forward all the the Instagrammers out there I, I, I put I had a conversation with um, Mark Lemon I don't know if you follow Mark Lemon he's he bangs the um, great work I, I was chatting to him about it and on um, Insta and he said you know just keep banging the drum gav because it, it's a male, it, it, it probably is a male thing. I mean, if I go back to 1982, you know, while I was protected, but um, back then, I, it boils down to the whole death subject. Why can't we talk about it? It's just a taboo subject. I mean, I'm involved with Grief Encounter. Now, they weren't around in 1982, and boy, did I need, you know, did you need something like that back then? You know, the child bereavement charity. And Shelley Gilbert, the founder, just, she goes, she talks about this the whole time. It's just a taboo subject, death. And that, I, I do a lot of my fundraising for them. All my, I've, I've run the London Marathon, end up running. In 2018, I ran the London Marathon for Grief Encounter. And and I continue to bang that drum. So it, it's a word, it, it's, it's work in progress. You know, you, I still, every day I'm, I'm looking at something else online. I'm reading another book. Um, but they're my go-to books. It's Okay, You're Not Okay, and Grief Works, and David Kessler's Finding Meaning. That is a one, that was, that was another book that did it for me as well, because you do find meaning. You know, uh, the, the, the running I do every day is in for my mum and dad i wake up 4 30 in the morning i'm running and that's the only inspira the inspiration i need is for my my wife and kids and i think of my mum and dad and for the people that can't run i'd love to run and that just fires me up it's, it's just i've got that coping mechanism in place i'm happy i'm at peace now and i've just got that coping mechanism in place um it, it's not an easy road have you Gavin, have you spoken to your daughters about their grandmother, about their grandmother, your mother? Yeah, yeah. We constantly they know the journey that I'm on, and they they talk about it. Yeah, I like to talk about it. I like to talking with them. They, they mention things, and um, you know they, they they were very they were very fond of their of their papa as well, my dad. So you know they know how broken I was as well, and they, and they like. And they, yeah, they'd like to see where I am now. And, and, and they, they, they pushed me to do it. I was nervous about doing this. And we were just talking about an hour ago. Dad, how are you feeling about it? I was like, I'm quite nervous, actually. You know, why are you nervous? You, you know, you, you can do this. You were talking about, I said, you know, so they're constantly pushing me, which I absolutely love. And yes, we do talk about my mum and dad because I can say that word now. And what inspiration also to your children to be, you know, showing them what it means to be in touch with your own feelings and to be in touch with with things that are difficult it's really amazing yeah thank you very much my mum wrote um 
what I do know is um, we've got loads of photos of mum, but what I what mum did leave myself and my sister, and I only discovered this a year ago. It was always there. She wrote she wrote poems and and um, words words of wisdom and she uh, thoughts and poems basically. And we worked it out because the way, where she where she was talking about myself in my school year, I worked out where she'd written it. She'd written it, these thoughts and poems a year before she died because she was at home in a lot of time in bed and she wrote a lovely poem for my sister and wrote a lovely poem for me. And, and they're basically, were, I only just, a few months ago, went through them again and I realised that they were words of wisdom for myself and my sister. And I've got a couple here. There was quite a lot, so I'm just going to do a couple. So she just said, I think, I think the most important thing for a successful marriage is to respect one another and not to hold any secrets and trust one another. And also she said, life is to find happiness in what you like doing best. And that is my running. And I only, discovered, I only looked at that a couple of months ago. I thought, that, that is my running. That's so beautiful, Gavin. And, you know, wherever your mum is now, she would be very, very proud of you because... Thank you very much. Thank you. And, 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 what, and, what, and what is grief? What is grief? Grief is love with nowhere to go. And, and you just have to find it, you know, find a way of coping with that. And, you, and, and, we, and we do acquire the tools and it's just finding them tools, isn't it? Because, and because love never dies. Because we're always going to be thinking about our mum and dad. And people we've lost. Yeah, exactly. Gavin, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and your story and such wonderful thoughts. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And thank you. So much. Well, thank you, guys. No, thank you for having me, and, and thanks for doing what you're doing. It, 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 it's so important, and thank you for you know putting that in place. You've been listening to Got Grief. If you'd like to know more about us, you can follow us on our Instagram page at Got Grief Podcast. A huge thank you to all of our guests and listeners, and tune in next time for more Got Grief.